Here we begin here on the top of Kufnun Gimel Medalif for the first line. Number of Yehuda Bray, the Rav Shmuel Bar Shilat or Bar Shilat, Ishmei Rav. Hespedo shel Adam nikar im ben Olam Abahu im Lav. From the Hespedo, the eulogy that's given for an individual, we can ascertain whether this person is in Olam Abah or not. As Rashi notes, Shim Kasher Haya Hakol Bochim Alav Moridim Dmaot Musaprim Shivcho. If he's really a Kasher, then people be bawling, crying, and speaking about all of his praises, all of the accomplishments that he's made. Ini, is that really true? Bahamale Rav, the Rav Shmuel Bar Shilat. So Rav says to Rav Shmuel Bar Shilat, who about whom this story is being relayed, he's saying, Achim Bez Veda, the Hatam Kaamino. So make sure to, Achim, from the word Cham, make it hot at the Hezbeid, because I'm going to be standing there. Now as Rashi explains, Chamim means, Sheyich Meru Rachamav, from that type, heating, heating in the process of pressing the olives, when they're put together, they all soften and they give off liquid. So meaning heating here means to cause the people to cry. Make sure that when you give the hespade, you do it in such a way that you cause everybody there to break down in tears, because I'm going to be there. Now, the problem with that is, first of all, Rav is definitely a Ben Olam So the natural occurrence, or what should happen naturally at his hespade, is that people should be crying, speaking in Shevach. Why does he have to instruct someone to create that atmosphere? That's number one. And number two is, it seems to be that he's fixing the situation. If he's telling someone to make everybody cry, and that's the Siman of Ben Olam then and it's no longer a siman. Samara says, Lokasha, Had Mechamele Vachim. That's if he works the crowd and they end up crying. And who the Mechamele Vlachim. In the other cases where he works the crowd, he does all this stuff to engender feelings or emotions that would make them cry, and they don't cry. So if the problem is not that someone's up there speaking about the individual, saying things that cause people to cry. The question is, what's the reaction of the people? To hearing all of that. And if they respond by crying and bawling, then that is a siman that is a bin If everybody sits there still, is not affected by what's being said, then the person is not a bin Says Abai says to his Rebbe Rabba, like you, who everyone hates in Pumpadita, Rabba was the Rabbaeer that murdered the Asher of Pumpadita. He says, well, if everybody hates you, you're Manachim, Hesbeda. Who's going to be there to get everybody crying and to make sure that you're eulogized properly? As Rashi points out, why did everybody hate him in Pumpadai? He says, Bnei Pumpadai Ramainhain. They were thieves, tricksters, and Rabba used to paskin against them. He used to give Piskei Alocha against these people, or he used to put in Gzeirot. And they were not happy with Rabbo because he didn't allow them to go about their lives or the way they conducted themselves. So he says, who's going to be there to give the Hespit? It'll be enough. It'll suffice you, I mean Abaye, and Rabbo Bar Rav will be there. That'll be enough. You guys can give the Hespit. You can engender the feeling that's necessary, and I'm not worried about it. Bamine Rabbi Elazar Meirav. Ezuhu Benu Ulam Who is someone who is... Ben Olam Abba was going to the world to come. Amalei says to him, I'll tell you. Vazanecha tishmana davar miachorecha lemor. Zederach luchubo. Kita aminu vechita smilu. It's found in Pasuk in Ishayahu. Most people know the end of the Pasuk before, which is, Ayuenecha ra'ot et morecha. That's the end of the Pasuk before, and then it continues. Vazanecha tishmana davar miachorecha. You'll have a voice that comes from behind you saying, Zederach luchubo. This is the way to go. This is the good way to conduct yourself. Kitamina, when you turn right, he said the smila, when you turn left, there will be somebody guiding you. There will always be a voice there that is guiding you. So the answer is that if people, after the person passes away or at funeral at the Hespade, say, you should act like this person, you should follow 
the ways of this person, then that is muftah shu ben If you become a paradigm, if you become an individual that people want to follow, then that is considered to be someone who is a ben olam haba. Anybody who the rabbis are happy with, the girsa of the rif narosh is rabutav, which would probably make a lot more sense. Anybody who is rabbeim are happy with him. And the pasuk says in Kohelet, it's the end of the Pasuk that we darshaned yesterday. The person goes back to Beit Olomol, passes away. And then, and then the mourners or the eulogizers will be out in the streets. So what does it mean? Those from the north say, You should do things before your bed. People in the south say, They should say things that are after your mitah. And they don't argue. They're dealing with their local custom. question of custom is, where do the mourners and the eulogizers walk? Do they walk behind the mitah, behind the niftar, or do they walk in front of the niftar? But the idea being the same, which is, what does it mean, is that the people who are walking, the mourners and the eulogizers that are walking, when they speak, they should be speaking things that are positive, things that people would feel good about this individual that they did in their lifetime. So that's what it means. Think during your lifetime about what they're going to say before your coffin or after your coffin. I mean that you have to consider that when you pass away, people are going to speak about this and what are the accomplishments that you have that they're going to speak about at the eulogy. Person should always do tshuva a day before he dies. Person never knows when they're going to die. Perfect. Then do tshuva today. You don't know if you're going to die tomorrow. And you end up, your whole life is doing tshuva. This is Mishnah Avot. The first part is Mishnah Avot, which is That's quoted in Avot. In Avot, Rabbi Natan, you have the more extensive quotation here, where the Talmudian respond to Rabbi Eliezer, but his point being similar to what we just said before, that a person should conduct their life, should think about what they're going to say in his eulogy, what the people are going to be discussing after he passes away. Similar idea here, that a person should conduct their life in a manner which they believe that they might pass away the next day. And in doing so, they do tshuva because they don't want to pass away without doing tshuva. Nimsa koyamav tshuva. person will then always be doing tshuva, always be in a state of acting appropriately. And we find this in the Pasuk in Kohelet. Chol 8. Iyu bigadecha levanim. Your clothing should always be white. An oil on your head you should not deprive. Meaning that a person who's ready, dressed up to go, has his clothing clean and white, and he has his the oil on his head, and their day, which the anointed head, was the way that a person appeared before the Gedolim, before the king. So you should always be ready. I'm Rabbi Yochanan the Melech Shuzimenet it's a similar, it's a parallel or parable of a king who invites his servants to a feast. But he doesn't say when the feast is going to be. The brighter ones went ahead and adorned themselves. And then they waited by the door to the palace. The king can do anything, whenever he wants. Any moment now we could have the meal. So they got ready and they waited. The foolish amongst them, they went out to work. Nobody could just put on a big feast without 
any preparation, they have to take some time now. They need preparation. Suddenly they get the message, the feast is on now. The ones that were bright and sat by the doorway and got ready, they came in all dressed up. And those that went out to their work and thought they had more time, they came in all soiled. Of course, the king was happy to greet those that had made the right choice. He was angry with those that made the poor choice. Those there that adorned themselves, got ready. They should come and sit down. They should eat and then drink. Those that did not get ready and that are coming here with their soiled clothing. They should stand and watch. From the outside. Chatanosho Rabbi Meir, the son-in-law of Rabbi Meir, Mishum Rabbi Meir says, Amar af hein nirin kibisham shin. That's too good a position for them, because that looks like that they are there to service the meal. They're not embarrassed, because they're in a position which is functional during the meal. There are people sitting down to eat, and you have the people on the side who stand around to service those people that are sitting down. But they don't look out of place because they're standing in a position where people would normally be standing. Just because they're standing there, they may not be sitting at the meal, but they're not out of place. And therefore, he says, no. Elu velu yoshvim. They both sit down. Halalu achlim, valalu reivim. The people who did the right thing eat. The others sit there with nothing, starving. Halalu shotim. Those that did the right thing drink. Ve'alalu tzmeim. And the others are thirsty. Shinamar, As the Pesach says, Ko amar Hashem. Hinei avadai yochelu. My servants wait. Batem tiravu. And you will starve. Hinei avadai ishtu. My servants will drink. Batem titzma'u. And you will be thirsty. Hinei avadai yoronu mituvlev. My servants will murmur, sing from the good feelings in their heart. Batemtitzaku mikevlev. You'll be crying out because of the pain in your heart, the disappointment. Another interpretation of this pasuk that we quoted from Kohelet, which is The clothing should always be white. This is referring to the tzitzit. So Rashi says, Shemluban habeget. Beget itself is white. And so therefore it's referencing tzitzit. And that you should not hold back from the oil on your head. This refers to the tefillin. How does that refer to the tefillin? So we know that the Pasuk says, Tov Shem Mishem and Tov. That a shame, a good name, is better than good oil. And we know that the Pasuk, they darshin by Tefillin Shorosh, That the people will see that God's name is called upon you. Elu Tefillin Shorosh. That refers to Tefillin Shorosh. So Tefillin Shorosh are associated with shame, the good name. And the Pasuk says, Tov Shem Mishem and Tov. A good name is better than Shem and Tov. So what does it mean, Mishem and Aroshka al Yafsar? Means you should have a good name, a good name, or a name that appears in there. Those are the Tfilin Shell Rosh. Person should always be adorned with Tzitzit and Tfilin that we saw also earlier in the Mesechta back on Kufiudalif about some of the Chachamim there mentioned that they Tetali Shalakti Daladamot believed Tfilin. Tetali Shalakti Daladamot believed Tzitzit. That that was the thing that they had, that they never moved Daladamot without having Tzitzit on or without having Tfilin on. Now we begin the next parak. This is the final parak in Shabbat and begins what we call the introduction to Eruvin. Involves issues that will come up in Masechet Eruvin. It's the bridge parak between the two. Mi sheikh lo baderech. Someone where the sun sets on them on the way. Noten kisolen achri. He can give his wallet. And give over his possessions to a non-Jew. Vim enimo nachri. If there's no non-Jew there, menichoa chamor. Then he can place it on his donkey. Once he reaches the outer courtyards of the city, 
Then he can unload the animal. He can take off the animal items that are not the muksa. And those that are muksa, he releases the ropes on the beimah. And whatever is on the animal falls off by itself because he can't touch it. So he can do by undoing the saddle or whatever is holding on the donkey, the saddle straps. They fall to the ground, and that's fine. Because once he reaches the Chatzir HaChitzonah, he's in a place where they can guard where it's Shamur. And so he doesn't have to worry about it being stolen anymore, so that's where he unloads. In my time, surely the Rabbanon, the mate of Kisil and Nachri. Why is he allowed to give his wallet or his possessions to the Nachri? Didn't we just learn in the previous parak that Amir Le'akum, having Akum do Malachah for you is problematic. He becomes, quote-unquote, your Shliach. And Amir Le'akum on Shabbat is a sore. So why are you allowed to utilize the Nachri in this instance? Gemara says, Kim the Rabbanan. The Rabbanan understood. This person is not leaving without his wallet. So we have to make a choice. If we allow him to do this, he'll leave without his wallet and he won't violate the Shabbat. If we don't allow him to do this, he's going to end up carrying it. The Chamim understood that this is an issue that is an emotional one for people, and they're not going to separate from their money or from their wallet. And therefore, we have to come up with a solution, even though it would be a violation of an Isidur Rabbanan, of Amir Le'akum, better to allow for that to happen, versus if we don't allow it, we're going to end up with an Isidur De Oraita. So in this case, waiving the Isidur Rabbanan is actually what stops the person from violating an Isidur De Oraita. Usually when the Rabbanan make a Takanah Gezeirat to prevent you from doing Isra Doraito over here, the waving of the Isra Dorabanan is actually what prevents you from doing the Isra Doraito. Amar Davka Kisol. That's only true when it's talking about his wallet, his money. About Mitziah alone. If he found something, no. Shito. Why do you have me in our question? Kisot's not. Our mission says we're talking about his wallet. Maudetema huadina filu mitziah. I would have thought his wallet and anything else that is his. Vahadiktani kiso. So why does it mention his wallet? Or chadamiltoktani. That's normally what people have on them when they're on the way. Kamashmulan, know that it's dafko. Kiso, not a mitziah. As far as the mitziah is concerned, lo amranel dulo atli yode. It's only true if he hasn't picked it up yet. The lost object that he sees on the way, he hasn't picked it up. Of atli yode. Once you've picked it up, it becomes your possession, and it's no different than your wallet. Some say that it was posed as a question. If he picked up the mitzia already, what is the din? Is it similar to his wallet or not? Since now it's in his possession, it's no different than his wallet. Since he didn't work to get it, he found it. The money that's in his wallet, he toiled for, he worked for, that he has a strong connection with, that he doesn't want to just let go. And Mitziah, which came to him without any effort, if he has to leave it behind, he'll leave it behind without any effort. That maybe he'll separate from, that the Gemara leaves as Tegu, that it's unresolved. Instead of saying that in the previous case, or the first Lashon, which is that we allow him to keep the mitziah like the wallet. Over here it's posed as a question whether we allow him to keep the mitziah because is the mitziah in the same category as the wallet? Is a person emotional on their wallet because of the money or because of the way they came to that money? Because the way they earned that money? And that difference will apply by the mitziah. If he's just emotional about his money, then he'll be emotional about the mitziah as well and would have to be matir. On the other hand, if he's emotional about the fact that he worked hard to get that money, then that would be true by the wallet. It would not be true by the mitziah. Umar leaves that unresolved. Ein imo nachri. There is no non-Jew with him, then he puts it on the chamor. Taimo de imo nachri. The Mishnah seems to give a hierarchy in terms of preference. It says that because there's no nachri with him, then he puts it on the animal. 
But, that we give precedence to him giving it to the non-Jew over putting it on the animal. Why is that? Why does the Mishnah lay it out that your first choice is to give it to the Nachri? So my time up. It's very simple. Yechamor has, your donkey has a din in Shabbat that he has to rest. You're obligated to have your animal rest on Shabbat, and you're not obligated to have the Nachri rest on Shabbat. So I have an option between giving it to an Akhri and giving it to the Behemah. We're going to opt to give it to the Akhri where there is no possible violation of Shabbat. Then what happens if we have a number of people with him, all of whom have something that might make you give or opt to give it to them. Just here we have a Chamor. Cheresh Shoteh Vikatan. We have a Chamor, which is a Behemah, you have an animal. Then you have Cheresh Shoteh Vikatan, who are all Pturim in a Mitzvot for different reasons. Each one has a dispensation why they're Pturim in a Mitzvot. A Cheresh or someone who is dumb and deaf, shoteh, someone who is not of sound mind, and a katan, someone who is a minor. All of them are pturim and a mitzvot. So now if I have to look at all of these, how do I determine the hierarchy of who I give it to first in order to bring it in? Achamor manachle. If I have all three of these, then the animal goes first. It's no question, if I have a choice between chamor and the cheresh shoteh katan, I put it on the chamor. The Kherishot of Katan, Lo Yaivle, but we won't give it to the Kherishot of Katan, my taima, Hani Adam, Hai Lav Adam. It's a very simple distinction. We're talking about human beings versus animals. We'd rather have it be put on the animal than put on a human being when it comes to the utilization of these individuals for the Chilu Shabbat. As Rashi says, Just that if you use people who you're going to confuse with others, then we don't allow you to do it. So over here, by Behemah, not get confused with other than Adam, necessarily here with an Adam. If you put it, give it to this person, you might give it to someone who is Chayav in the Mitzvot and have a problem with it. Well, if you're on a train and it goes into Shabbos, you have a conductor there, then you do have something like that. So I had an experience like that. I was taking a train to Philadelphia, the train got stuck and you can't get off the train, you're stuck on the train. And it was actually Yom Tov, not Shabbos, made it a job easier. And we got to Philadelphia and I had to get out of the train. I asked the conductor. I gave him all my wallet, I gave him everything that was Muxa. And then I walked with him into the train station. We went to, got a safety deposit box, opened up a box there. He paid for it. I maybe I took money out of my wallet. I can't remember. He paid it. We put all the stuff in the box. He gave me the key. And then I, it was Yom Tov, so I could carry the key. And I left it behind. I did exactly this case. That, and of course, afterwards, I sent a letter to Amtrak complimenting the conduct of this conductor. That's the type of typical case we were coming. So now, when you have a choice between Cheresh Vishoteh, if you have a choice between a Cheresh and Shoteh, Lishoteh. In that case, we give it to the Shoteh. As Rashi explains, the Shoteh and the Cheresh are both patur for the same reason, which is that we don't think that they have full faculties. And that was the determination. Again, I mentioned this any time we mentioned Cheresh, that in the time of the Gemara, a Cheresh was someone who was going to be completely uneducated and unable to communicate in almost any sense. They, this is before they had time, you know, before sign language, before they had the ability to teach and communicate with these individuals. The assumption was that these individuals were not able to learn and that they didn't have the faculties to learn. And therefore they were put into the same category as a Shoteh. So Mazalman and the Tshuva says clearly today that it's different and that today where we know that that's not the case and we're able to communicate with them, they don't have that same status as Cherish of the Gemara. But in the time of the Gemara, the Cherish and Shoteh are in the same status. Yet, what we see here, and Rashi points this out, is that a Cherish is on a lesser category of not being of sound mind than a Shoteh. At least he can function in some ways. We can see that. There's the Shoteh who is out of his mind or doesn't have the ability to function. So in terms of hierarchy, you would give it to the Shoteh before you give it to the Cheresh because the Shoteh is totally out of consideration versus the Cheresh who has some faculties about them. Right then, Shoteh Vikatan, 
If I have a choice between the shoteh and the katan, I give it to the shoteh as well, for the same reason, which is a katan will grow up in v'chayav in the mitzvot, and the shoteh will never be chayav in the mitzvot. Yibailu, cheresh v'katan. What happens if I take the cheresh and the katan together? So by the shoteh, shoteh trumps in all cases, because, number one, it's someone who will never become l'chal chayuv mitzvot, and number two, he's in such a state that we're less worried about him. On the other hand, now by Cheresh Vikatan, each one of them has a Maila and Kisaron. Aliba de Rabbilezer Loti Bailach. According to Rabbilezer, we don't have any question. The Tanya. Rabbi Mishum Rabbilezer. Again, more over there sometimes it's Rabbi Elazar. Shumat Cheresh. The Cheresh separates out Shuma. Lote Tseilu Chulin. That does not go out to Chulin because now we have a Safek whether that was a good Shuma. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Elazar, we're talking about a Safek Mina Torah. I mean, this is a person who can take off Shuma possibly. So if that's the case, we're dealing with, according to Belezer, Safek, whether this person's Chayav and Mitzvot or not Chayav and Mitzvot. Once you're at that point, you would definitely opt to the Katan, because the Katan is clearly not Chayav and Mitzvot. So you would opt to the Katan over the Chayresh, according to Rabbi Elazar or Rabbi Eliezer, without any question. The question really arises for the Rabbanan, who say that the Chumat Chayresh is nothing. So in that case, it's not. Chamisha lo vim tarmu en Chumatam Chumat. Five people may not separate Dao Chuma, and if they do separate Chuma, the Chuma is cool in, it doesn't work. Be'elohim, Cheresh Shoteh Katan. here's the three that we've been discussing, Batoremich Enu you take off Chuma from someone else's property, V'nachri Shetaram Et Shel Yisrael, and a non-Jew takes off Chuma of an Yisrael's produce. Afilu Birshuto, even if he has permission from the Jew to do it, Ein Chumato Chuma, his Chuma does not work, and that is because it says Gamatem. The pasuk says by Chuma Gam Atem. There is the Rabot Et Ashliach. That it comes in Kudish Shliach. Then the Gemara says the Drasha that David saying Ma Atem Bnei Brit Af Shluchachem Bnei Brit. Just like you are Jewish, so too your Shluchim must be Jewish. You're only able to create the Shlichut to do the Chuma if the Shliach is also Jewish, like you. And therefore, a Nachri is precluded from separating any Chuma on your behalf. Obviously, they cannot be Torim on your behalf. They're not considered to be Bnei Achrayut or Bnei Chiyuv. And someone who doesn't have permission, obviously, can't separate Chuma, because Chuma is your, it's your property, it's your possessions. They can't take off Chuma against your will. And the Nachri, because he's not a proper Shliach, so all five of them are excluded. But according to the Chachamim, one of the people excluded is the Cheresh. But you see that he clearly, the Chachamim clearly believe a Cheresh is not Chayav in a mitzvot. Now, we're faced with a dilemma. My, the Cheresh Yavilei, we give it to the Cheresh, the Katan, Ati Lechlaudat. Because eventually the Katan will be Chayav in mitzvot. Dilma the Katan Yavilei, the Cheresh Ati Lechlufei Begadol. Or maybe better to give it to the Katan, because if you give it to the Cheresh, you'll mix him up with a Gadol Pikeach. Someone who is just a regular Gadol. Because here you're dealing with a full-grown, mature individual. And you might confuse. If you can give it to him, you can give it to anyone who's of that age. So we don't know. We have each side. Tosfit over here asks, how can you ask a katan to do malacha? If we said earlier in the Masechta, you're not allowed to have, you have to prevent a katan from doing malacha. It says that we use the dispensation that the Gemara is going to talk about later on, where it doesn't really involve a malacha, where the akira and anacha are not done by the katan. Some say you give it to the cheresh, some say you give it to the katan. So we have opinions on both sides. What happens if none of these options available to you? Then what do you do? So my, there was another piece of advice or dispensation that Chachamim gave. They didn't want to make it public. They didn't want to talk about it too much because it's a very risky dispensation. What is that dispensation? You can walk with it 
less than four amot. Less than four amot, less than four amot, because to be chayav for walking in Rashut Rabim, you have to walk four amot, akira hanacha. If you do your akira hanacha within dalad amot, you never reach the shiur that you're chayav. Again, you're asur midirabanan, but not asur midoraito. And they granted that dispensation to bring the wallet in because of the motions of the individual who will end up carrying it if we don't allow him this dispensation. But obviously you can see or you can understand what the risks are with allowing someone to walk. Pachot, pachot, mitalad amot. Really relying on the person to make a good judgment. And it's a very difficult thing to do. If you ever try to do that, move, stop, move, stop for long distances, it's not so easy to do it or carry it out. So it's a risky type of dispensation. So am I lo ratzu chachamim legaluta? Why didn't the chachamim want to expose this dispensation? Mishom, fod alukim aster devar. The honor of God is to have things hidden. Vod milachim chakor devar. The honor of kings is to look into matters carefully. What is the kvod elukim over here? What's the protection of the honor of God to keep it quiet? Because as we just discussed, the possibility is if you let him walk pachar pachot midaramot, he'll come to walk daladamot bishutarabim. Tanya, Rabbilazar Omer, Bobayom Gachusa'ah, Bishu Omer, Bobayom Machakusa'ah. Here you have a Machloket, Rashi, and Tosafot about what's being said here. They both say that it's talking about the Yudchet Gizerot. If you remember back in the beginning of Masechta, going back to the first parak, a long time ago, in the first barrack there, they said that Bobayom Shalu, the Eliyat, when they went up to the attic of Hanani ben Chizkiah, they got together and they were Gozer, eating Gzerot on that day. They're suggesting here that this is addition to the 18 that they instituted on that day. This dispensation is part of those gzerot that were instituted on that day. Now, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua comment on the addition of this gzerat chachamim or takanat chachamim to the 18. The way Rashi reads it is that Rabbi Eliezer says, Bobayom Gudush and Machuk are different ways that you put dry goods together. When you put in dry goods into a container, you can make them gadush, which means piled up. You can go above the rim of the container or the kli because it's a dry good. And it will pile towards the center and not fall out. So you can either give what we call in a generous manner, gadush, which is that you have the pile on top. Or you can have machuk. Machuk is that you wipe across. They used to slide a rod or a piece of wood across the top and wipe it off so that it was flat with the rim of the clay, which would be a more miserly way to give. So the way Rashi reads it is, Rabbi Lazar says, Gachusa'ah, this was a positive addition to the Gzerot, and Rabbi Yeshua says, Machakusa'ah, is that this was a negative addition. They should never have disclosed this dispensation. That's the way Rashi reads it. Tosafot, basing himself on Yerushalmi, says that they are both saying positive, they're just expressing it in a different way. They're expressing Gadush and Machuk as being positive, just in a different manner. According to Belazer, what is this comparable to? You have a basket full of cucumbers, zucchini, cords. So Adam then you put mustard seed in it, and it holds everything. And there's more room. And so even though they had made all these other gzerot, this was an additional gzerah that was additive. Something that could fit into the basket. No problem. That's the position of Rabbi Lezer. Mashal de Rabbi Yeshua devar domeh. And this is what David was saying. Wait, the mashal of Rabbi Yeshua is the raiva me'la dvash. about a trough full of honey. If you put into it pomegranates and walnuts, it can't hold the honey and these items. When you put these items in, it displaces the honey, and the honey falls out. So, according to Rashi, that's the negative. Meaning that they already had all these zeroth in place, the honey, and now they tried to put something on top of it. By putting it on top, it was not additive, but rather detracted from it, because when they put it in, it displaced 
some of the honey that was there. Whereas, according to Tosafot, based on the Yushalmi, he says that the way to explain of Yeshua is that when one removes the Rimonim and Egozim from the honey, it allows the honey to stay in there. So by adding this on, by taking out, that allowed the honey to stay in. That protected the Torah. So he reads it not that when you add in the Egozim and the Rimonim that it's displacing the honey being negative, but yes, it is displacing the honey, but when you pull them out, then it will not displace the honey anymore, and that will be a positive statement. So that would be the explanation of going to Rabbi Yeshua, based on Tosafot, that it's positive. On the other hand, you can see at the end of the Tosafot that there's a comment there that he thinks that they read the Yushami wrong, and that the Yushami is really a support for Rashi, not for Tosafot. Then the Gemara says, okay, Amar any mo nachri meichol al chamor. There's no nachri with him, he places it onto the chamor. So David asked before, wait, don't you have a restriction of lota sekom lacha? You have to have your behema rest. So then what is the problem with putting something on your behema on Shabbat? Jez halo mechamer. Mechamer is the isur that you violate when you put a load onto your behema. Mechamer is when you have a behema that's loaded and you drive the behema. You can drive the behema either by hitting it or you can do it by speaking to it. So over here, even if you speak to it, even if you goad it by using words, you are mechamer. You're causing your animal to carry a load on Shabbat. So how is that different here? You're walking with your donkey and now you drop your wallet on the back of the donkey and you're having him continue to move with your load on it. Or even if it was loaded already, you're going to keep pushing the donkey forward because it has your possessions on it. So why isn't that a violation of the Easter of mechamer? And the Pasuk says, You may not do any work on Shabbat, and Mechamer is one of the Melachot. Put on it while it's still walking. Wait a minute, what does he do? He avoids the problem of Akira and Anacha. The problem of Mechamer is that you have the Behema do an Akira, means that it starts to move your load, and Anacha, it stops moving your load. You drive it, and then it stops. You drive it, and it stops. But if the behemah, if the animal's already in motion, and then you drop the wallet on it, you put the load on it, then there's no akira. It's the equivalent of shnaim shasu. It's the equivalent of two people being involved in a process because the akira was already done by the behemah before you put the item on it. It already started to move. It went into motion before you put the item on it. Then when you drop the item on it, there is no akira. Because you did the Akira, and then the Behemah is going to do the Hanacha by placing it on the Behemah. There's no single action of Akira and Hanacha that's being done that would cause there to be Mechamer. Mechamer says, okay, that's great, but you know what? All animals stop. They stop to relieve themselves. He's going to have to urinate. He's going to have to defecate. And therefore, he's going to stop. And when he stops, then you're going to have a problem because he's going to restart again, or you're going to push him to start again. And then you'll have the Akira at that point in time. So fine, when you put it on, there's no Akira, but later on in the journey, you're going to end up with an Akira and an Akha, when you drive the animal forward. And there would be an Akira and an says, no, you misunderstood. When he's walking, you put it down. Before it stops, you have to take it back off. So you prevent there from being Akira and an Akha by simply putting it on, taking it off, putting it on and taking it off before it ever still. Before the behemoth is still, you take it off. After the behemoth goes into motion, then you put it on. So that way you avoid it. That's the case. Why bother with an animal? Just use your buddy. You can do the same thing. You have a person who's in motion and you place the object on them and then you take it off of them before they stop. Again, it's Shaim Shasu. You're doing the Akira and the Anacha. He's doing the movement. So again, you have two people that are performing something that's problematic on Shabbat, but it's the same thing as using Vehima. 
Why is that different? Why do we opt for Beima over a person? So the Gemara says, Amar of Papa. If you did it yourself, you'd be Then having your friend do it, Then that would be patur avalasur. Anything that would be assumi with your animal, it is mutalachatchila. So we have gradations of preventing you from doing things. If you did the Akiran Anachah yourself, you'd be Chayav Midoraita. That's carrying on Shabbat. Be Chayav Achatat. If you did the Akiran Anachah but put it on your friend, then there's an Isser Durabanan of doing that because we don't want you doing this with your friend because of the risk. The risk is that he could come to an Isser Durabanan. Which is that if he stops and starts again, there's a possibility that he'll hit an Isser Durabanan. Then with the Chamor, we say it's Mutad Achatrimah because even though there's a possibility of being in violation of an Isser Doraita, it's only an Isser Doraita by the Behemah, we're not talking about another person, and it's going to be a lower form of Isser, because even though Mechamer is a Melacha on Shabbat, it's not one of the 39 Melachot. It's not one, we'll see this in a second, it's not one of the 39 Melachot that may be included under the category of Lotasub Melachot that gets the same punishment as the 39 Melachot. It's a Sur Minatoran on Shabbat, but it might be a lighter form of Isser. Therefore, in terms of gradations, it's going to be on the lowest rung in terms of gradations. Person who's carrying a bundle or a load coming into Shabbat, and sure enough, the sun sets and he's still got the load on him. He should just keep running until he gets home. Don't stop running. Because the Akira was done prior to Shabbat. He already did the Akira. He was in motion before Shabbat came in. So then there'll be no Akira on Shabbat. He'll only have Anacha on Shabbat, which is simply an Isid de Rabbanan. So here, in this difficult situation, we tell him, just keep going. Run. Because if he stops, it's over. Once he stops, then he's going to do an Akira on Shabbat, and he can't continue onward. The best way for him to do is just stay in motion until he reaches his house. Daf Karatz. That's only if he's running. Avokali Galilo. If he walks at a regular pace, we say, no, my timer. Why not? I mean, the Akira is done. Whether he runs or doesn't run, the Akira is in motion. He already did it before Shabbat. Why should it matter? When he's running, it's obvious, or a siman, is a sign that he's doing this based on the dispensation that he was in motion. So as he continues to run, he'll continue to remember that. If he just walks like he normally walks, he'll forget that the reason that he's allowed to continue here is because he's in motion. And then he'll stop, and then that's it. He's stuck, there'll be a problem. So we want to have some sort of hacker, some sort of recognizable change the way he's conducting himself, so that it's obvious that he's doing this and that he won't make the mistake of stopping and then starting again. Sof Sof. When he gets to his house, he's got to slow down a little bit. He's got to stop. Meaning that he has to, before he gets in, there's a door there. There's a lock. He's going to stop before he enters the house. If he stops before he enters the house, then he is. It's coming from the Shutter Abim into Shutter Yachid. And there you have an Akira Anacha. So right, the Anacha is not a problem because he did the Akira before Shabbat. But as soon as he stops before he gets into the house, the next time he starts to get into the house, then you have an Akira Anachah moving from a Shutra Bintu Shutayachid. Where it says, the Zark like Acharyad throws it in an unusual manner over the fence, in that as he gets there, he doesn't stop necessarily, he just throws it over into his yard, and therefore there's no real Hanachah as well. So we don't worry about the fact that he has an Akira now when he stops in front of his house because he dumps it in a manner that is not real Hanachah. So now in the first case, he didn't have an Akira. And in the second instance, he didn't have a Hanacha.
Amar Rami Berchama. Hamichamer achar beimto b'Shabbat b'Shogeg. Someone who drives his animal by accident on Shabbat, chayav chatat. Then he is chayav to bring a korban chatat. That is what you bring for Shogeg by the thirty-nine melachot. B'mezid does it intentionally. Chayav skila and it could be chayav skila vikarit. Either one. I mean chayav skila is if the person does it intentionally with witnesses and hatra'ain a warning. Karit is the chiyuv if we don't have witnesses and a warning. Then he's chayav karit. My timer. Amarav amakra lo taseko melacha ata. That you and your animals may not do work. We compare his behema to him. Mahu b'shogeg chayav chatat b'mezid chayav skila b'mto nami. Even though the melacha is conducted by the animal, over here all he's doing is driving the animal through his words. He's not doing anything active necessarily. But since there's a juxtaposition of him to his behema, we correlate the two and say just like by him. There is this chiyuv chatat and chiyuv skila. So too, when the behemoth does the activity and he's driving the behemoth, shogei chayav chatat, mezid chayav skila. Amarava shtei chuvot b'davar. I disagree with that conclusion, and I have two reasons to do that. Now, obviously, if this is rav over here, then the, before when we said it was amarava, you'd have to change the girsa to amarava, because then rav wouldn't be arguing by himself. So it has to be amarava before, and now rav is disagreeing and bringing two reasons why. Chada tichdiv Torah chati elachem lo sev bishkaga benefesh asheta sev biadrama. This is the pasuk that's found by the violation of avodah zarah, and it says Torah chat that the kol Torah kula is hukshal avodah zarah. Hukshal kol Torah kula avodah zarah. All the Torah is connected or has a parallel to Avodah Zarah. Ma Avodah Zarah, David Maaseh B'Gufei. Just like by Avodah Zarah, you have to do an action in order to be Chayav. Al-Khanami, Avid Maaseh B'Gufei. So to over here, you have to do an action with your own guf, with your own body, in order to be Chayav. There it says, Torah Chat. That's what the correlation is to all the Torah. Le'oseh, the one who does. So action is what is you. Lack of action, you cannot be chayav. And over here, when it's your animal doing the action and you're simply speaking, that you're not going to be chayav achatat for. That's number one. Number two is vote. It's not. We have a Mishnah. Ha-mechalelat ha-shabbat. Dvar shechayavin ha-shigigoto chatat. Vaz dono skila. And then again, the gears, the alternative gears is, is dono karet. Michlau. Dikamide de'en chayavin ha-shigigoto chatat. Vloz dono skila. The fact that the Mishnah phrases it in such a manner to say that if you violate Shabbat with something that you are chayav chatat for, and something that you are chayav skilor karet for, means that there must be some way that you could violate Shabbat without being chayav chatat and without being chayav skilor. My nihu, what is that? Lav de mechamer. It's the isur of mechamer. The isur mechamer will be asur midorite on Shabbat. Nevertheless, it will not be chayav chatat and not be chayav skila. So that's what the Mishnah is saying. It's saying items that are not like Michamer. Lo, the says, no, we have other options like that. What's the other options? Tchumim alibra de Rabbi Akiva. Tchumim alibra de Rabbi Akiva, which we saw back in Cloud Gadol. There the Gemara is trying to figure out how a person can forget entirely about Shabbat and yet still be chayav in that case. If he forgot everything, then how is he violating the 39 malachot if he forgot all the 39 malachot? The Gemara says he knows about Shabbat because of Tchumim. Rabbi Akiva believes that Tchumim are midoraitam in a Torah that there is a certain distance that one is allowed to travel, go on Shabbat. So out of that distance is a surmi de'oraita from a Torah. Now, everybody agrees that that isur de'oraita doesn't result in a chiyuv chatat or a chiyuv skila. According to Rabbi Akiva, you have an isur de'oraita that you can violate that you will not be chayav for. Ve'havara ali de Rabbi Yossi. And the other option is havara, which is lighting a fire on Shabbat, according to Rabbi Yossi, because this week's parsha it says, lo taru esh b'chol moshvotichem b'yom ha-Shabbat. You're not allowed to kindle fire in your dwellings on Shabbat. Gemara wants to know, why did the Torah specify Havara? 
Why did it separate Havara? You have Lot Melacha, which includes all 39 Melachot. Why was Havara taken out of the general principle and given a unique status of having it mentioned explicitly in the Torah? Machloket between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Natan. Rabbi Yossi says it is Lalav Yatzat. That comes to teach you that Avarad does not get a punishment of Chatat and Skila, but rather it's simply a Lotase. Because of that, you are Chayav min Torah for Havara, but you're not Chayav like the other Malachot. That could be what's excluded from that Mishnah that we just quoted from Sanhedrin. And then you have Rabbi Natan says, It was there to separate, to tell you that when you violate multiple Malachot on Shabbat, you're Chayav for each individual Malachot. That's what we learned in the Mishnah. It says it enumerates 39 of them to tell you that you can be in violation of 39 malachot and be chayav, 39 chataot, even though you just violated Shabbat. Violating Shabbat is not a singular activity. It has 39 manifestations, and each one of them will be mechayev yu chatad. How do I know that? Because the Torah is separated in Havara, which is one of the malachot. It comes to teach you, lo l'atzmo yatsa. It doesn't come to teach you by itself, alal klal kulo yatsa. Teach you about the entire klal, which is, just like Havara, you're chayav individually for it, so too, everything found in the general principle, which is all the other 38 melachot, you're chayav individually for, if you are in violation of them. So, Rava's second proof the Gemara does away with, dismisses because, it says, you don't have any proof. You might think that lav de mechamer is what the Mishnah in Sanhedrin is excluding, but I have other options. I have other options would not force us to say that it's lav de mechamer. I could say it's tchumim del right according to Bikiva. I could say it's havara according to Rabbi Yossi. And therefore, that second piece is not necessarily a proof. Your first question might be true, which is, we don't have a maisa here, and without a maisa, how can you be chayav a chatat? Because of the connection or the correlation with the chatat of a vodizara. Okay, we'll stop over here.